0: hi there welcome to history in retrograde this is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past i'm your co-host chandler o'quinn and joining me live via satellite is my mom
1: hi mom hi chandler how are you
0: i'm doing very well are you ready to begin another grand experiment
1: i'm very ready let's go
0: All right, let's give it a whirl.
1: Yay! Hello, everybody. We're so glad that you're here and listening to the show. Thank you for joining us today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you all to uh, all those listeners around uh, this great country of ours, around this wonderful world, uh, for joining us. Um, We are once again deviating from our normal path. Uh, Life has sort of caught up to both of us, so uh, we are going to do sort of a question and answer, frequently asked questions, and uh, a little bit of a sampling of uh, what you might get if uh, you... Uh, choose to have your chart done uh, with mom. So uh, it's kind of going to be a loosey-goosey kind of episode, more conversational than um, our uh, normal format. That will be um, returning with our uh, next episode. But um, uh, we're just going to ask some uh, frequently asked questions about astrology and history, and uh, uh, maybe this can be sort of a, a way for our audience to get to know us a little bit better. Uh so, uh I will go first. Um this is uh, an astrology question and it's come up a couple times in the show, um where you will talk about a house and what it's ruled by now and then mention what it used to be ruled by and that that's something that we need to consider. Um and I still you've told me this and I still <laughs> am confused. Why we need to consider what a house used to be ruled by. Because in any other study of things, like when our knowledge becomes better, we then no longer go back to look at how we used to think about things. Such as, we used to think that the sun revolved around the earth, we then discovered that it doesn't, so it's no longer important that people thought that the sun revolved around the earth. Yet, as we go through these charts, we'll say, well, this used to be ruled by, you know, whatever, Aries or Mars, and now it's ruled by Pluto or Jupiter or whatever. <laughs> um, so, w- why? why? Why does it matter what these things used to be ruled by?
1: All right. So, there's a lot of ways to answer this question. I will answer the question itself first. For instance, Pisces used to be ruled by Jupiter. Jupiter rules Sagittarius. All right. But it also used to rule Pisces because um, Neptune had not been discovered yet. Also, Mars used to rule Scorpio before Pluto was discovered. So if we go to the the chart, the the, the astrological signs, Aries is ruled by Mars. Taurus is ruled by Venus. Gemini is ruled by Mercury. Cancer is ruled by the Moon. Leo is ruled by the Sun. Virgo is ruled by Mercury. Libra is ruled by Venus. Uh, Libra is ruled by Venus. I've got Venus on the brain right now because I want to go to that carnival. (laughs) Libra is ruled by Venus. Scorpio is ruled by Pluto. But Scorpio used to be ruled by Mars. Sagittarius is ruled by Jupiter. Capricorn is ruled by Saturn. Aquarius is ruled by Uranus, but it used to be ruled by Saturn. All right, so we have Aquarius, we have Scorpio, and we have Pisces. Those three are ruled by the newer versions. All right, so Pisces used to be ruled by Jupiter. Now it's ruled by Neptune. Aquarius used to be ruled by Saturn. Now it's ruled by Uranus. And Scorpio used to be ruled by Mars. And now it's ruled by Pluto. The reason we look at both is because in Vedic astrology, Eastern astrology, they don't use the new planets. They only use traditional. And when you speak to astrologers, every astrologer is going to have a baseline that they tend to all agree to. But every astrologer is going to have a different version of these aspects and how they work and what they are. The same as every card reader, if you go to a tarot card reader, or some people read playing cards, whatever they're using for divination, they have their own interpretations of what those mean. In this particular instance, where we're talking about modern Western astrology, tropical versus you know, traditional Vedic Eastern astrology, right? We, for those of us who live in the West and not the East, tend to lean towards Western tropical astrology because for us, it tends to make more sense. I read Western tropical astrology, but I have some knowledge of the ancient ways. Again, you can study astrology, Your whole life and not know everything that can be known about astrology and all the different kinds of charts. The charts we work with normally are natal charts, but there's a lot of other charts that we can work with. All right. Um, we've worked with charts that have to do with events in history. All right. And sometimes with those charts, like there's not even like Chiron doesn't even show up you know, because they hadn't discovered it yet, you know. So there's a lot of asteroids. There's a lot of things that have not been discovered. But the same as I can read a chart with Placidus houses, or I can read a chart with equal houses, which is the same distance between each one of the houses, or I can read a chart with equal full houses, meaning every house starts at zero degrees instead of whatever the ascendant is. There's so many different ways to read charts and it's all in the interpretation and what resonates with you. For my clients, whatever I'm doing seems to resonate with them. I have, knock on wood, never had a client that felt like what I was saying did not resonate with them, whether it was what they should, what they know they need to work on, what they, what they feel self-conscious about what they know their strengths are all of these different things so that kind of went to the side of the question but as far as understanding the old nature of Aquarius is Saturn but it is Saturn in air okay so if you think about it this way Aquarius is known for being pretty self-confident They're known for having the information, like real information, not, and not, I I have three planets in Gemini, so I'm not saying this to put this down. Geminis tend to have a lot of information about a lot of different things, but not necessarily all the information about one thing. You know what I mean? Where an Aquarius can tend to really do a deep dive in one thing and have information about it. They also have kind of an old soul way about them, Aquarians do. Um, A lot of Aquarians don't feel that they belong here. Like they don't belong on this planet with these human beings. They like the animals. They like uh, the trees.
0: Fact check, true.
1: <laughs> but, you know, they feel alien here. And that's because they are Aquarians and they are unique. And that's where you bring in the Uranus aspect of that. But also that old Saturn in air, almost like trying to teach gerbils French, right? When they don't even speak a human language, they're gerbils. So you have this disconnect between what's going on inside of your head and what you're trying to convey to people. And, and, and through trial and error, Aquarians learned that they do not, and, and can't seem to connect to the dots for a lot of people to these lofty ideas that they have, you know? So that's where the Uranus comes in, but also it connects to Saturn because it's like a very fatherly thing, like a father trying to teach a baby trigonometry, you know? That's Saturn aspect of Aquarius and Uranus aspect of Aquarius. Jupiter aspect of Pisces is Jupiter with water as opposed to Jupiter with fire. Because Jupiter with fire in Sagittarius is adventure, adventure, (laughs) adventure, you know. And I think that Sagittarians also feel really lucky. Like in a lot of ways, they feel they have luck on their side when you consider Jupiter in Pisces, it is so much emotion, like benevolent emotion, like a Pisces falls in love all the way. No questions asked. Just go. Just let's just be, let's just do, you know, and that's the Jupiter aspect of Pisces. The Neptunian aspect of Pisces is the imagination and the creativity and the, the, um, Psychic ability and all of those things that are mm, otherworldly but different than Scorpio because Scorpio is kind of comfortable in the dark, comfortable in the shadows and in mystery, where Pisces is not really going to be that comfortable and mysterious. They're going to do, they're going to probably tell everything. Now, they also have that that Jupiter quality where you think you know we're 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 having fun we're doing great but the same way that Jupiter can flip in a Sagittarius to a really intense temper that can also happen with Pisces. Um, Pisces surprisingly are, are I mean you think for all their love and all their benevolence and all their imagination that they're really easy and they are most of the time but you don't want to tick that box that makes them protect someone or protect something or or push that button that ignites that temper because they do have the bad temper now we go to the connection of mars and scorpio mars rules aries and we know how fiery aries is right and how intense aries is now if we take that aspect and we put mars the god of war next to a scorpio who who will literally follow someone to the ends of the earth who has wronged them wow that's a lot you know so pluto was assigned to scorpio or scorpio was assigned to pluto however it was and given these aspects of death and rebirth and the underworld and all of these things, but those things were already kind of there with the Mars and Scorpio. So that's why we look at both because we know both. The more information you have, the more you can address what's happening with a transit or an aspect in a chart you have more information to work with. So that's why I will refer to well, it used to be this, now it's this, so you can look at both, you know.
0: Okay. Okay. Um so I think uh, at this point um I will do another little uh experiment this is <laughs> um free association
1: oh my so
0: i'm going to say uh the uh sign <laughs>
1: i'm kind of <and> scared okay <laughs>
0: the first word that comes into your into your head
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh ju- just and and then we move on
1: okay <laughs> and
0: then uh we can go back and explain it later but um The first word that comes to your head uh, with uh, each astrological sign.
1: I'm so scared.
0: (laughs) Uh, Number one. Aries. Passion. Cancer. Love. Leo. Bright. Virgo.
1: Specific. Gemini. Talk. Libra. Pretty.
0: Aquarius.
1: Universal.
0: Capricorn. Stable. Pisces.
1: Creative.
0: Sagittarius. All. Taurus. Money. Scorpio.
1: Trust.
0: So... For Aquarius, you said universal, and for Sagittarius, you said all. Yeah. So what do you think are the differences between those two?
1: One of them is tripping out in the outer space, and one of them has everything. <laughs> like if you ask a Sagittarius. Wow. It sure would be good if I had a helium tank so I could blow up these balloons and the Sagittarius would go I've got one it's in the garage (laughs) Sagittarians are the epitome of Jupiter so they have everything they 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 (laughs) like there's no end to their bag of tricks and for as intense as they are on the inside they just want to be light and floaty and 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 ghost of Christmas present. The old-fashioned one in the green robe that has the banquet, the huge banquet with the wine and the turkeys and the hams and all of the things. And then Aquarius is just like the inside of their mind, is like just looking out into outer space like just vast
0: uh any other uh thoughts on 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 these signs
1: um well i mean those are the good sides <laughs>
0: Yeah, every one of them is positive. Uh, I think it says uh, a lot, uh, you know, we, we'll get the psychiatrist to also come in. <laughs> To talk about your reaction to each of these. Because I'm... in your uh, uh, rainbows and lollipops world, uh, you found the most positive thing to say about each one of these. Well,
1: you asked me what the first thing that came to my mind. That's and those right. were the first things. That I was it. being honest. Uh-huh. Okay, so yes, I do have a very rainbow and lollipop world. And that's how I wish I, I all the world was. Because uh-huh. I think it would be better if everybody was... You know, in that world, I don't live in that world, but that's where I'd like to no. be. But, no. You um don't. yeah, I think that uh, there are dark sides to both of those, but I didn't associate those. And you asked me to say the first thing that came in my mind. That's right. Okay. So that's do right. you want to go into the dark side of each of those?
0: Yeah. You know what? Let's do this experiment as uh you have to say the dark side of each one of these.
1: <laughs> oh no. So now we're going to do them all again?
0: Yep, we're going to do them all again and uh, you have You don't want to find... go through the
1: good things though first. You don't want to go through all the good things first.
0: Uh I I don't think oh. that'd be as fun.
1: Huh. <laughs> okay. No, we okay. we did
0: the good ones. Okay. You've done the good ones uh, because <laughs> that's just naturally where your mind goes.
1: Okay, this is actually going to be harder.
0: Uh yeah, it might take a minute. Okay. We'll we'll be editing this for uh the folks at home
1: uh, <laughs> okay. as you
0: uh struggle uh, <laughs> to find something bad to say. But I have a feeling some of them might come up quick. Uh maybe Sagittarius.
1: <laughs> it's too hard. It's too hard. Um irresponsible. Taurus. Selfish. Scorpio. Revengeful. Pisces. Addicted. Capricorn. Manipulative.
0: Aquarius.
1: Mm. Totalitarian. Libra. Self-centered. Gemini. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking because there's a few different things I want to come up with for Gemini, but I think the most popular one is Two-Faced. Virgo. The mm. well, worst side of Virgo is that they you can't even deal with their level of pickiness. Aries uh abusive. cancer. Unpleasable. Leo. Egotistical.
0: Okay. Well I didn't uh, you know, you, you got there eventually. I couldn't
1: necessarily t- do it in one word though. No.
0: No. Um any other uh uh thoughts before we uh before we leave this little experiment we did?
1: Well I mean we could go through if you want to and then you I can explain why I said each one.
0: Yeah, but I wasn't writing them down.
1: (laughs) That's not good. So (laughs) why are you okay? Um, Chandler, you have a master's degree. You're supposed to take notes.
0: Uh, yeah. Well, there's a reason why I don't have a PhD.
1: (laughs) Um, It's not because I'm not taking notes.
0: So how did you uh how did you start studying astrology and uh, what do you like about uh astrology
1: Well how I started astrology is kind of a dark story do you want me to tell it Yeah it's kind of sad for me <laughs> So All right we can decide if we want to keep this or not But um, my moon in Capricorn is very pronounced. Clearly, I asked for or have karma with difficult lessons from the mother. And when I was little, my mother in the 60s would read astrology magazines, mostly very superficial ones, you know, like, You can't just read your astrology in the newspaper or online by your sun sign because there's so much more. In fact, you should always read your rising sign because that's going to tell you where everything is in your chart. Regardless, my mother would repeatedly tell me when I was little, I'm really sad you're a Taurus. I really wanted a Gemini. I would have gotten along with a Gemini really well. And I thought there's something wrong (laughs) because I'm looking at this and I'm seeing when my birthday is and I am a Gemini, but she keeps telling me I'm not. (laughs) So part of the reason I started to study astrology deeper and deeper was because she was, she told me I was, I was not good. She told me I wasn't good. Because I was not a Gemini, when in fact, I'm a triple Gemini, I'm a triple Gemini, not just a Gemini, but a triple one. And so I think a lot of the things that she told me when I was little have caused me to have trauma and triggers in my life. But when you look at things like this in our lives on a larger scale, What did you learn from that? How did those things put you on your path? So when you consider karma and reincarnation and who you reincarnate with and who chooses to play the villain in your life, what did you learn from them? You know, I learned a lot. I've learned a lot. Was it painful? Yes. Am I still here? Yes. But that's the story of how I originally began to study astrology now
0: so what's the next step from doing this uh, as something to uh, prove to yourself your own knowledge Mm -hmm. to where you are today is it more books is it going to the library is it finding some other astrologer to study under
1: Mm -hmm. All, all of the above so when i after having you know all those years of reading all the different things in the magazine like I wouldn't just read in her magazine about just Taurus or Gemini I was reading everything I was learning and 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 absorbing this information then when I got older and I met friends who were in the theater who also did astrology we began to throw charts we started to because we had to have like copies of charts Or you had a compass and you drew the circle and you drew the other circle and then you took a ruler and you drew out the chart, right? And then you put the the things in it and you looked at the ephemeris and you pulled the planets and their degrees out of the ephemeris and hand drew them into that paper chart. That's how charts were done back then. There was no computer. There was not a computer. So you would get as close as you could to the degree of the person's rising sign. Unlike for me, my rising sign is Leo. But that's because you have to take away that that particular year, or there was a set of years where they did not do daylight savings time. So my birth time is my birth time. It's not with daylight savings time because back in the day, we used to have to adjust in our hand-drawn chart for the right time. If there was daylight savings time or not, if you were born in the summer, you know what I mean? Does that make sense? We would have to subtract or add. What is it? Spring for, we would have to move the time of birth by whatever it says. I see your face. You look very confused. I don't I
0: don't quite understand why.
1: Because regular time is what everything was before daylight savings time ever started. So there's this hundreds of years where there's no daylight savings time. Then daylight savings time comes along. And it might not be in the ephemeris that you have. Because your ephemeris that you have might have been written in blank to blank age or time. And you got it at the thrift store (laughs) because you're an actor and you don't have any money and you found an ephemeris at the thrift store. And now you have to look at the date that this ephemeris was published and decide, does this ephemeris account for daylight savings time or not? And mountain time and, you know, all the different times. It it It's a lot. So, like... And the original programs in the computer did not account for daylight savings time. Now they do.
0: Hmm. I'm still not completely understanding how... Because... So the book itself would only be in standard time. Like
1: standard time, yeah.
0: And then if someone was born in a year that had Daylight Savings Time,
1: mm-hmm.
0: they would be an hour off.
1: Right. So their rising sign could be book. off. Their rising sign could be off. It could change the entire sign in in well, inaccurately.
0: I think this is another reason why we need to get rid of Daylight Savings Time <laughs> altogether.
1: I'm with you on that. I don't like Daylight Savings Time.
0: Um, and just stick with Standard Time. It also makes you think that I mean it, it it kind of scares me in this in the terms of how many uh birth times we've done in this show where we don't have uh time zones yet because time zones came with the train right. with the railroad. Right. So uh the their, they the astrologers before 1870 right. were really shooting in the dark.
1: No, they were working with the sun. They didn't but have you to don't account have a... for any of those things.
0: So because everyone was setting their clock by to the whenever the sun was yes. at noon, they were actually more accurate because they were not using time zones like we do today.
1: Kind of. But also, I mean, I don't know if if they set it by noon or if they set it like there's the glimmer of the sunrise. This is blank. Degrees blank because the sunrise when the sun rises in whatever sign that is your rising sign. So if the sun is glimmering, you know, and your clock that you keep winding up says that it is 624 and the sun is glimmering at 624, you're at zero and you're born in when the sun is in Pisces and you're born. And then if you're born at 624, then you have, what did I say, Pisces? Pisces rising. And then it moves every two hours. It changes sign. You know? That's how it works.
0: I mean, there are so many ways that that could go wrong. Because clocks were really bad.
1: (laughs) I think it was just considered that when the sun rises, maybe it is blank o'clock. But I don't know. I don't know how. I've I don't always know heard how the ancient that
0: you set it, it by noon. You don't set it by because that—that that, I mean, when daybreak and when sunset happens changes depending on the day.
1: I also can't remember if we also might have had like a latitude longitude book of some sort that had tables in it that would tell us what this what the rising signs were based on the time and the longitude and the latitude. I don't remember. Honestly, I don't remember that part. I know that we used to guesstimate by what time, because there were tables for what time the sun rose on that day for a Uh certain amount of records for a certain amount of time. But my issue was that when we did go to computer, which was like, whatever, 1995, when we had kind of like We started to have some semblance of internet and there were computer programs that you could buy that were astrology programs. There were like one megabyte. (laughs) It's like, how did you get all this into one megabyte? That's crazy. But they did because there was not a lot of graphics or whatever, I guess. But they did not account. Those first ones did not account for daylight savings time. So that's a problem. I don't remember how we got here. What was the question? (laughs)
0: Uh, I mean, how did you uh, acquire your knowledge? Okay, so
1: from there, hanging out with people who were basically hippies, uh, who were older than me, because hippies are older than me. Um, I'm in a generation that that has no name. (laughs) I'm somewhere in between Baby Boomers and what, Gen X? I'm somewhere in between there. So, but I'm not a baby boomer and I'm not a Gen X, so I'm just lost in the sauce. But, uh, from there I had knowledge of astrology, a certain knowledge of astrology. And when I was in Los Angeles, I needed a position where it was not, uh, necessary for me to be at this particular place at this particular time. I just needed to get the work done for that day. So I went to work for Farley Mallaris, who was an astrologer, brilliant astrologer. I think he is still on YouTube. And, um, he had the astrological metaphysical radio show in Los Angeles. And I worked for him for a while. And, um, I would run all of the charts off of his software and print them and people would order things from him i want to say through the mail i can't remember but i would print all of the charts for that day and i would package everything i would package the charts i would package um i would package crystals i would package different kinds of um things that he was that they were purchasing and i learned so much more about astrology from Farley so it went even deeper in that realm and then when we first started doing this I mean when we first started I was kind of like well okay because I knew what I what I knew but in the four years that we've been doing this or four seasons that we've been doing this every single day I study more astrology and I study more astrology and more and more and more and more because I it doesn't end you know
0: And what do you like about it?
1: There's a lot of things I like about it. Um, I like that your natal chart basically has your roadmap in it. Your natal chart tells you a lot about what your life is going to be like. Um, there are other charts. The transits that go through your natal chart are kind of like the weather forecast. (laughs) Like, okay, you're already living in, you know, Timbuktu, but now get ready because there might be a tsunami and you're like, how's that going to happen in Timbuktu? Doesn't matter. It's happening. So get ready, you know? So knowing what the transits are and knowing how they're coming through is helpful Also, I think Jungian philosophy, Carl Jung, who was a student of Freud, had a lot of information in casting charts for his clients who were coming to him with issues, emotional and mental health issues. Your chart will tell you a lot about why or how, or how to approach what you're dealing with. You know, why does this keep happening to me? Because you're supposed to stop fighting it because you're supposed to learn from it. You're not supposed to keep beating your head against a wall. You are supposed to learn from this. These are the choices you came in with your, your natal chart. If you believe in reincarnation, the narrative is that is the roadmap for what you came to learn, what you need to accomplish, what you're going to work on, You know. That's what I like about it.
0: Is that it's, it's all there. It's all there's a, there. A, there's a map on yeah. the day that you are born. Yeah. And that if you know how to read it correctly,
1: mm-hmm.
0: it can uh, help. It's a great tool.
1: Yes. It's in, an in, excellent in tool. It's one of the you best.
0: Understand the you li- understand
1: your life. Yes. And astrology came before astronomy. Astronomy was born out of astrology not the other way around so and
0: and not just astronomy i mean yes like you said that we tend to look at western tropical uh astrology because we understand it Mm -hmm. we understand it because every other form of our mathematical knowledge comes from astrology right they created geometry Mm -hmm. so that they could understand the stars yes so that they could understand what's going on in their lives. Right. And they created it so that they could navigate the world.
1: Yes. Yes. And it has since been put into the corner. And told to stay there. By m- most forms of education. There are, there I know of one master's degree you can get in the UK in astrology that is authentic, but we used to have a great reverence for astrology and that has been demeaned repeatedly because I don't know why, because if people would just look at their chart and, and work with someone who can help them, then they can understand why is this happening to me right now? Why do I feel so horrible right now? Oh, well, maybe it's because you have Pluto transiting your moon. That could be. So what we're going to do is we're going to understand that Pluto is transiting your moon. It's going to hit you the hardest at these times, but you're going to make it through and it's going to end right about here. That gives you hope. That tells you, okay, this is going to really, really be difficult. This is going to almost take all my skin off but there is an end to this. This is not forever. This, there is an end to this. Now, let's say you have an aspect in your chart that leads you to have issues with patience or long-term commitments or what have you. If that, if your astrologer says in your chart, if you do not address this, you're going to have difficulties. You will need to address this, or you are going to have difficult times. Your life is going to be harder if you don't deal with this, you know, then you have some, at least, you know, it's like, okay, I'm depressed or I have anxiety or whatever, because I am not dealing with this. You know, you have some answers. I'm not saying they're all there, but a lot of answers are there a lot of them. And, and when you come to trans, it's like, if you know, I have a client who is asking about, um, career or romance or, um, image, you know, whatever they want to ask, I can find a lot of information in their chart and then I can say, well, it's probably going to play out like this or this or this or this. And usually I'm right. And all I'm doing is reading the chart and the transits. That's all I'm doing. Why does it work? I do not know. I don't know why it works, but it seems to work. And I mean, when you deal with science, you have the theory and then you prove it. Right. So if astrology keeps proving the theory, how could it not be something to take more seriously? It's not just a board game, you know. Mm -hmm.
0: Well, uh, I think. Uh, I have found uh some frequently asked questions about astrology. Mm-hmm. This comes uh, from the uh most lofty of sources, uh, Buzzfeed. <laughs> uh, and these are uh the top uh uh questions that are asked about astrology via Google. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Buzzfeed put all these together. Okay. Uh so uh number 1 Why are Aries so annoying?
1: Well, first of all, I do not think Aries are annoying myself. I think that Aries can be very ambitious and have a lot of passion for whatever it is they're interested at the moment they're interested in at the moment. Okay. Because their attention span can be fleeting if you bore them because they can get bored really easy. So if an an Aries is being considered annoying, it could be the dark side of Aries, which is like my way or the highway, you know, but they could also be so impassioned by whatever it is they're wanting to do whether it's to go get a milkshake or move a mountain, you know, it doesn't really matter. You really do want some Aries on your team. If you want to get something done, you know, because the Aries are going to be the ones at the, at the, at the front, you know, they're the ones that are going to be, if you get them excited about something, they'll go, whatever. It's good. That's good. But if you get bad Aries people, I guess they could be like, no, I'm not going to do it unless we do it my way. And it's like, okay, well fine. But that's also kind of tourist too. But, annoying maybe I mean I don't I guess it would depend on who it was like if you are not passionate about something and you just want to sit on the couch and play a video game then maybe an Aries could annoy you because they want to get up and go do stuff you know maybe Uh anybody can be annoying
0: Right, these are uh, all put in here as uh, the worst questions to ask about astrology. It would
1: be good if it would if it was asked by a Scorpio, you know, uh-huh. like it would be good. Like if I knew who was asking it, that could be helpful.
0: Uh, why are Tauruses always
1: hungry? <laughs> it isn't necessarily that they're always hungry, but they do love food. They like it. It is part of who they are. They are of the earth. They are of luxury. They know. You know what? You're going to ask a tourist where you going to find the best this or that kind of food. They know. They know where it is. That's the one you want. Someone with tourist placements is going to know what the best food is or they're going to cook you the best food, you know. Um. So I, I don't know that they're always hungry. It's just that they are sensual. They are very sensual. They are very much about the fabrics that touch their skin. They're very much about the flavors of the food. They're very much about all the things that comfort you. They like comfort. They like the fluffy blanket. They like the soft sweater. They like the delicious way this particular restaurant prepares this goose. You know, you want something good. That's all right. You get you ask a tourist, they'll show you. You might you might want to go on an adventure with a tourist, a culinary adventure.
0: <laughs> Why do Libras ignore you?
1: They're not necessarily ignoring you. They just have a lot of things on their mind. They are thinking a lot of things, and if it is a very pretty or a very handsome Libra, they could be thinking about what they're gonna wear. They might need to think about what they're gonna wear, and they want to be pretty because they are pretty. Libras have a lot of pretty um I love libras <laughs> i i I can literally dive into conversations with Libras or Aquariuses. But that's you know putting a whole bunch of air signs together, and air is communication. So why they ignore you? I think they might be done with you. (laughs) They might they might be done, because I the Libras that I know don't ignore me, so they could just be done or forgot (laughs) now that because they're doing something else.
0: Why do Virgos have stomach issues?
1: Virgos have stomach issues because they worry a lot. Virgos worry a lot. That's a thing. Not all Virgos, but a lot of Virgos worry a lot. They worry that this isn't good enough. They worry that they're not good enough. They worry that you're not good enough. Something isn't good enough, you know, so that can also affect their stomach and people who have placements in virgo can have stomach issues it's kind of a some of these things that they're asking are very like superficial meme like this is the joke you know what i mean yeah yeah it's like this is the joke of blank yeah
0: Uh uh-huh uh speaking of which why do capricorns cheat
1: capricorns do not always cheat in fact, Capricorns can be one of the most loyal signs in the Zodiac because they're ruled by Saturn. So they can stay forever. But dark side of Capricorn could cheat. But I mean, are you, that question could be asked of every single sign. Yep. Every sign can cheat. So it's not just Capricorn. I don't think Capricorns are necessarily known for cheating any more than Libras or Scorpios or any Gemini's anybody. You know what I mean? So I don't think that's necessarily just about Capricorns at all. In fact, I think it's more opposite where Capricorns are concerned.
0: Why do Leos cry so
1: much? I don't know that Leo's cry that much. I think Cancer's cry more than Leo's. But I mean again, these are so vague. You know, cuz I don't know, I don't know that Leo's cry that much. Leo's feel very deeply. Like Leo's are kind of on that spectrum where If you have a Leo on your side, or you have a Scorpio on your side, you're in good shape. But all those fixed signs, you know, Leo, Aquarius, Scorpio, Taurus, those are good. Those are fixed signs. They are fixed. So they are really, I don't know. I think for me, they're really loyal and dependable, but. Honestly, I don't know that Leos cry any more than anybody else. If anybody is going to cry, it seems like it would be more a Pisces or a Cancer. Would be more in touch with their emotions to cry. But Leos do feel really deep. Like, they feel things deeply. So maybe.
0: Why are
1: Virgos always tired? Because they're always working. Unless they're the dark side of Virgo, and then they don't work at all. (laughs) They want everyone else to do the work. They want to point the finger and tell people what to do. But um, I think they're tired because they worry themselves to death and they work. They're, they, they're the hardest worker. They, they will work themselves to death. So that's why they're tired. And they're tired of it. <laughs> they're tired of it because they're fed up they are fed up with this it's like how can you be so ridiculous why are you so ridiculous that you can't see a b c d e f g and the one next to it what is wrong with you you know virgos are very specific
0: which zodiac sign is least likely to get married and why is it aquarius
1: (laughs) i don't know that it is aquarius i think it could be gemini But Aquarians don't have any problem being alone. They actually like it. Sometimes they'd rather be alone than be with someone who annoys them. Now, an Aquarius can get annoyed. Aquarius can be so annoyed, they disappear and you didn't even know they left the room. They're gone. Wasn't so-and-so just here? I thought they were. Did you see them? Yeah.
0: The the, the Aquarians are the king of the Irish goodbye. (laughs)
1: That's right. That's right. I think so. I think uh, I think it's because Aquarians are really comfortable being alone and their standards are very high. If they're not going to be with someone that makes them happier than them being alone, why bother? You know? I'm not going to entertain this. <laughs> I got my own thing going on here. I'm fine. I'm good, you know. Relationships can be much harder than being alone. that is a fact
0: that's darn tootin
1: (laughs) I mean it's much easier to be alone than to be in a relationship that involves a whole other person (laughs) and most people can't really I mean an Aquarius really needs someone who can keep up with them intellectually and not everyone can do that because most people are very I mean, most average people are very involved with their own ego and what they want out of whatever they want. It's about them, you know? But Aquarians are not necessarily like that. They want to chip the lights fantastic. They want to think about, you know, how blah de blah, what would happen if you do this, you know? Most people can't or aren't, they can't go there. Or a lot of people can't.
0: Uh huh. What zodiac sign is most likely to be a serial killer, and why is it Gemini?
1: <laughs> it isn't just Gemini; it's also Sagittarius. <laughs> um, it isn't. It's not. It's that's not true. That there are serial killers that were Gemini's, but there are also serial killers that have been every other sign. Um, there so.
0: Have just to uh, back this up, um, out of, uh, and this has been a study looking at uh, the zodiac signs of serial killers, mm-hmm. 40% of serial killers are Sagittarius, yep. Gemini, yep. and Virgo. Yep. Ted Bundy, Sagittarius, Mm -hmm. Jeffrey Dahmer, Gemini, Mm -hmm. Ed Gain, Virgo, John Wayne Gacy, Pisces, Mm -hmm. Mary Bell, Gemini, Mm -hmm. George Chapman, Sagittarius, David Berkowitz, Son of Sam, that is Gemini, Mm -hmm. Kenneth Bianchi, Gemini, Mm -hmm. Uh, Richard Chase, Gemini. Uh, And then, yeah, it is is those uh, four. Pisces is also thrown in there. Uh, So Sagittarius, Gemini, Virgo, and Pisces are uh, the... Uh, according to that study, um, most likely to be serial killers.
1: Well, okay. So when you think about those four signs, those are on the axis of mutable signs. They're mutable. Pisces, Virgo, Gemini, Sagittarius. Maybe the mutable signs are more likely to be insane. I am not going... I have nothing to back that up with, but... Clearly, the research shows that mutable signs are more likely to be insane. Um, <laughs> I think it's funny that it's Gemini, because Dark Side Gemini, I'm just thinking, is the worst. Dark Side Gemini can be really, really crazy and not empathetic. And that's not an excuse. That's not OK. But it's it's the truth. I've known Dark Side Geminis. Let me put it this way. I've not known them. I have come in contact with Dark Side Geminis. And I'd rather be with a totalitarian Aquarius than a Dark Side Gemini I'm just saying. <laughs>
0: Well, that concludes uh, this portion of our uh, program. Um, do you have any questions for me?
1: Sure. Yes, I do. I have some questions for you. So,
0: And you have them because I gave them to you.
1: Some of them. Because you gave them to me because you wanted to keep me inside of the boundaries. But I have a couple of my own. <laughs> we'll see if you want to answer my questions or not. Because mine are a little more... Uh, I don't know what the word is that I want to use but they're they're not linear. All right? They are a little <laughs>
0: I would expect nothing less.
1: <laughs> they are not what you would expect. They are they are sort of like nebulous. Why is it like this? Why is it like that? You know what I mean? <clears throat> so uh-huh. um one you do a little bit explain in our um trailer for the podcast how you became interested in history can you expound a little bit on that
0: yes so um i have always loved history since i was uh very little uh i uh was born a 95 year old man (laughs) um and uh from my very earliest memories i can think of uh myself fundamentally feeling that i was born in the wrong time uh th- and really i study history to try and find a way back home <laughs> uh try and figure out uh is there a time that would have fit more along in the lines of things that I believe in or things that I'm comfortable with or music that I like. Um, And really, uh, I I am aware enough to know that no matter what time period you go to, uh, humans are going to be humans (laughs) and are going to be um, nasty and mean and ugly creatures. Um, But uh, it still fills me with great... um, a purpose to uh study from the past and and to learn from it and so um i just uh it, it's it's that's the, the the short answer is, is trying to find a way back home. I I, I like uh, uh, the aesthetics of of certain time periods, uh, especially for me the 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 mid twentieth century, the nineteen seventies. But um, there you know the old west and uh, the sort of I like to uh, use my imagination uh, when I study about these things and and put myself into people's shoes and uh, what sort of decisions they had to make and what their lives were like. Uh, and, uh, so I think that, that, um, all goes into why I study history and why I like it.
1: Very cool. So if you could describe your, um, the, the decor in your apartment, if there was a term for this, a uh, time capsule in which you live, how would you describe it for ladies out there who might be? Interested. Oh yeah.
0: Oh sure. <laughs> um,
1: so they won't be so surprised when they show up. <laughs>
0: oh Yeah. Uh, I would say that while, uh, I am attracted to many different eras in human history. Um, If God had been just a little bit more just, he would have allowed me to be a middle-aged radio DJ in 1976. (laughs) Um, Someone uh, with means. Uh, So I... Uh, collect things uh, that a middle-aged man in 1976 would have. Um, I have my prized possession is a, a console uh, television uh, that has a, a record player and eight track and AM/FM <laughs> uh, with the television in the middle, and it's a piece of furniture. Because this was a time uh, when we built things to be furniture. We built things to be a permanent fixture of our homes. They were not uh, cheap things that were made in a far-off country uh, that when they break, we just threw them uh, into the landfill. These were things that were meant to be um, looked at and be a part of your home and uh, uh, make, take the place of the hearth of a home and they're literally the size of the hearth <laughs> of a home um, and there was something about the substance of all that um, I also love the colors um, we live in a time period now devoid of color. Um, you go onto HGTV and everything is white. <laughs> and uh, you know, if you are following in Chip and Joanna Gaines, you have barn doors and you have open concepts, and and everything is white and devoid of any life. In my uh in 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 the way that I see things, whereas the seventies was this time of great color and while we were sort of going more into earth tones, so I do have lots of browns and harvest golds and avocado <laughs> greens um it's still much more lively that there's plaids and paisleys and designs that um we, we we've we've lost track of of any sense of that in in our present style. Um I I love uh, uh the the resurgence of Spanish colonial things uh, in, uh, in the 70s. I have carved wood. Uh I mean we went uh looking for furniture and we went to uh a thrift store and uh we found this end table and I found it beautiful. It had uh this carved wood and behind it was this harvest gold velvet inlaid in the door and uh we went to the peop- there's no price tag on it and we went to the to the per- we said, how much is this beautiful piece of furniture? And they said, that thing? Take it. Take it away. Just leave the glass on top. And we did. And I was a happy little boy that day. Um <laughs> I, uh, so uh, I, I, you know, for, for, uh, good Lord, I- any poor woman who is uh, listening to this and thinking, that Chandler O'Quinn fella, he sounds like my kind of guy. <laughs> um, my, I, I, my goal in life is to have everything that a, uh, well off, a middle-aged man in 1976 would have my my dream is to own a 1972 Cadillac Eldorado, red with red interior. Um, I uh, uh, intend to build a home someday that has a sunken living room in it <laughs> uh, with shag carpet, and uh, I I don't quite understand people who uh truly uh live their lives to go to Versailles and see the Hall of Mirrors because I've been to Graceland and. Graceland did it so much better. He had a television room with uh, a primary colored uh, uh, lightning bolts uh, with three televisions in it—something that King Louis could only dream of. Um, so that—that—that uh, uh, that, that is my aesthetic.
1: Well, one, you very well could have been a well-to-do DJ in the late '70s because you were born in the '90s. So there's no reason why you couldn't just be remembering who you were then. That's very possible. And for all those ladies clamoring to get to their email right now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Who cannot wait for that.
0: retrograde at (laughs) gmail.com.
1: They can't wait for that. That wonderful moment that they get to see your shag carpet in your... Oh, that's bad. We probably have to... (laughs) That's very bad. I'm sorry. Uh, But, you know, for that wonderful moment when they get to take a ride in your fabulous Cadillac, um, I don't know. There might be, you know, I don't know, whole hundreds and thousands of ladies getting to their email right now trying to email you and say, Chandler, this is also my dream. And I can't wait to meet you.
0: (laughs) Mm Yep. Yep.
1: Okay. so, yeah, Chandler's house is uh, a trip. It, it you you really, really uh have to see it, to believe it. It's pretty awesome. And I'm I'm part of the reason that it's kind of like that, because I like to find things that I like Chandler. You would like this. And he's like, yeah, I would like that. That would be really cool. Mm-hmm. OK, so let me look at my other questions for you. Uh, So. I mean I think you kind of answered why do you like history? You already answered that one because you've always liked history unless you want to expound on that. Um so I have a question for you that is not on your list. And <laughs> you can decide to answer it if you want to. There mm-hmm. is a narrative one we know that history is told by the winner. We know that. All history, any history that's recorded is told and recorded by the winner. But with that said, then how does that play out for the truth for the loser?
0: Well, uh, the fact is that we have um, access to more information now than ever before in human history Um, and more ways of... um, figuring out things. Not all history is written on pieces of paper. Uh, History uh, is the things that are left behind by um, all sorts of people. Uh, So you can go through... uh, Uh, archaeological digs and you can find um, the pieces that are left behind on a battlefield or in uh, some Indian or Native American village that doesn't exist anymore um, and uh, uh, find out how these people lived and you can uh, 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 make educated guesses as to um, what their stories may have been. Um, Also, we, uh, while the victors, in many cases, uh, try to erase uh, anything that is sympathetic towards um, their conquered foes, Um, oftentimes they are not successful in being able to stamp out everything. There are, of course, oral uh, histories that are passed down from generation to generation that can then be recorded later. Um, And you can often, in the records of the victor um find uh uh, examples of what um actually happened Uh, they may tip their hand more than they are actually meaning to in um uh, what they write down about uh the battles that they participated in or or how um these uh cultures that they subdued uh behaved uh and you have you, you what you're supposed to do as a historian is is use critical thinking um, and uh, to ask questions uh, and push against the narrative that is being uh, fed to you by any source by uh, whether that's a a textbook or a primary source or uh anything uh, you're supposed to uh, be critical and 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 push against that um, and and find uh, uh where it is true and where uh the substance of their arguments are or if there aren't any uh if it's um just someone's harebrained uh, hairbrained idea of what might have happened or how the way they the way that they wanted it to happen um so there are all sorts of ways and i think that we are in a better place now than ever before to shine the light on those people who uh uh were Uh, conquered or who uh, lost. Um, And I think it's important as we go forward to know that just because people lost doesn't mean that uh, they were good. Uh, That... um, uh, just because someone may have appeared to be a victim uh, uh, of um, being conquered by some other force doesn't mean uh, that they weren't doing the same things to other people. Uh, we're all human beings, and human beings, as I said before, are nasty, ugly, uh, 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 wretched beings on this planet. Um, uh, remember that, ladies, when you uh, uh, email me. Uh, <laughs> Uh, this is my thought on, on what humanity is. Um, so uh, uh, I think that it is uh, our goal to always strive to tell the truth uh, as best as we can find it. Um, and, and hopefully a, a good historian is going to use all of the tools available and be objective in uh, their ways of um, uh, uh, finding the answers.
1: Very cool. Okay, so I'm gonna ask you another um, question that's not on your list.
0: <laughs> Good. I I I you I asked you to come up with questions and you said I don't know. I know. Well, and so I I, I was because, like, well, I'll give you questions okay. then. because
1: I mean, I'm gonna ask you at least a couple more of the ones that are on your list. But I have more interesting. Well, not more interesting. That's not true. Your your questions are very interesting. But I'm I have interest. I have personal interest in your opinions on uh. <clears throat> now that we have so much information available to us in the internet that is not part of the textbooks that we grow up with and knowing history and different um, uh, late night shows of information. What are your thoughts on the mysteries of history along the lines of what is done like an ancient aliens text? What are your thoughts on that?
0: uh I, I think that i i i don't there there are some historians who would say that that's absolute trash that uh ancient aliens is um uh uh drivel uh that that shouldn't be considered real history um and that and and even go so far as to say that it should be taken off that we should censor it so that people don't get confused um I would say that um that I I would never go as far as to say that uh, uh, uh you shouldn't watch it don't watch ancient aliens because it's not real history um I have enough faith in people um, that you have to have all the information at your fingertips and then uh, uh, figure out for yourself what speaks to you as to what is real and what is not. Um, that that there's no other force that can make that decision for you. Uh, we as a society need to um, have structures in place in our education system uh, to create citizens who can... Take in all the information, the good, the bad, the crazy, and be able to make decisions for themselves. Um, No outside force should be picking and choosing for them. Um, I don't know if I necessarily believe in everything that uh, they talk about in the ancient aliens. And the one thing that really strikes me is I've listened to other Egyptologists talk about this Mm -hmm. and uh, that the... um, you know that the belief of the aliens coming in and uh using their powers to uh build the pyramids that um, that goes right in line with how the pharaohs wanted you to think about these buildings. Uh, that no man could have done it, um, because they were gods on this earth. Um, that's you're you're playing right into the hand of the pharaohs by saying that it is th- these structures are so uh, magnificent that no human being could have possibly done it. Um, I don't, uh, and that, that really struck a chord with me the first time that I heard that argument, that, um, there were, uh, uh human beings involved in the building of those pyramids. They were, uh, uh, enslaved people. Slaves built those. Uh, um, thousands, millions died in the, uh, construction of these things. And, and to then, you know, thousands of years later say that, uh, uh some alien force came in and picked those blocks up and uh made those pyramids uh take something away from the real human uh capital that went into um the real suffering that went into building things like that um the truth of the matter is that we don't know we we um uh i'm someone who's um open to all sorts of ideas. Uh, if uh, I found uh, something uh, that I uh, thought was credible, uh, saying that there were aliens out there, um, it wouldn't rock my world. I I wouldn't be um, uh, uh, completely caught off guard. It wouldn't change my entire view of the Earth and the universe and everything. Um, at the same time, if we found uh, consummate proof that there is no aliens... The same would be the case for me. Uh, it, 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 the idea of there being extraterrestrial life that uh, helped uh, humanity um, in the past, um, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I don't give it a, a huge amount of credence, but I'm not going to spend a whole lot of energy in trying to take that away from the people who do believe it.
1: Very good. I personally like to believe all the stories. <laughs> I like to think everything is magic and I'm happy with that. So your next question, Chandler, is, um, what is your favorite time in history to discuss and tell people about and why?
0: Well, I, um, that, that's a great question. There are a couple different ways to uh, go about answering it. I do somewhat believe in the Ron Swanson view of history that um, history began in 1776. <laughs> Everything else was a mistake. Um I I am uh, uh, an American. That is uh, the land of my birth. I am very proud uh, uh, American. Um, So uh, I do tend to focus on American history. It's what I know. I like history because uh, I like to picture myself um, and use my imagination uh, in viewing myself in these different situations. And it's very hard for me to uh, view myself in... uh, uh a uh, uh, medieval japan or uh in uh, uh, uh ancient rome or in these different situations um but here you know i love texas history cuz i live in texas and i i know what the air is like and what the terrain is like and what these people uh would have gone through um to a a, a much better degree than i would a, a foreign uh, some land that's foreign to me uh so i personally uh love american history um love um and i i i love uh the the old west i love the idea of um just being able to pick up and move yourself to a different town and in many times completely change your name and completely change your (laughs) life and, and be someone different and try and either make a good honest go of it or, or have it go wild, but it's wild and freedom. And uh, there's so many things that that could happen so quickly. Um, uh, uh, And such robust characters, Uh, you know, we are a country that is filled with all of the failures of the world. All of the people who couldn't make it and succeed where they were picked up their stakes and they came here to make a new go of it. And then those that couldn't make it on the eastern seaboard continued and they kept going west. Mm -hmm. Um, So that uh, uh, go-getter idea... um, i uh, I absolutely love and i f- you you see that more in the old West than in any other time in our history um so uh, uh, the texas Revolution the Republic of texas era uh the old west um from the uh, after the civil war the um and i, I especially love uh that period from the eighteen seventies to the eighteen nineties because we had gotten over the Civil War. Um, we were rebuilding ourselves. Um, we no longer had slavery, and in even in Southern states, we had uh, African Americans who were realizing uh, the potential um, of being uh, congressmen and representatives, and uh, and all these things. It, it was before all of the dreams of Reconstruction were completely crushed in the 1890s. So it's really this time period where so many people have uh, the opportunities being realized. Not everyone, but a lot uh, uh, of these opportunities Mm -hmm. are being uh, realized uh, for the first time. Um, So uh, I truly love that era. And then uh, uh, I'm also a person who loves political history and loves politics. So um, I like out key figures like William Jennings Bryan like a uh, Richard Nixon like um uh, 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 so many uh others an FDR and um uh, uh thinking of uh, of the things that they did um, which is why I created a show like this that that looks into individual lives. Mm-hmm. Um, in my study of history, uh, at the academic level, they don't want you to look so much into individuals. And uh, they don't want you to turn out biographies. And they want you to look at people as a whole, which is uh, a worthwhile pursuit. But... I got into history because I loved looking at these individual stories. Mm-hmm. So being able to do this podcast and and look into all these individuals is... Uh, very rewarding for me. Uh, and then, as I said earlier, um, if I could live in any time, it would be uh, uh, in in the 1970s. I, I love the music and the movies and the television and the clothes and the furniture. Um, there's no era where I can pick out every single thing is something that I pretty much love.
1: Awesome. I like that very much. All right, I'm going to ask one more question and you get to pick which one you want to answer. And that's two of them. And you have to tell me why you chose to answer this one, whichever one it is. The first one of your choices is who was the greatest general? And the second one of your choices is what's the most historically accurate movie?
0: Hmm. Well, these are both questions that I came up uh-huh. with. Uh um, huh. You only get to
1: answer one, and you have to tell me why you're choosing the one you're going to answer.
0: Well, I do have answers for both of them, but I will uh, follow your rules and I will say um, what is the most historically accurate movie? Mm-hmm.
1: Why did you choose that one?
0: Why did I choose? Because uh, it, it, it is uh, one of my favorites. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one of my favorite things to talk about. And this is going to be a surprising answer because I live in a world where I talk to a lot of historians. And uh, this is a question that comes up among a lot of, 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 of these historians, uh, especially living re- historians and reenactors. And they are people who, um, th- it, they won't even like the story if they see a button that's wrong uh, uh, in in the movie. Mm. Uh, uh, and just put it down and walk away. Um, And uh, they don't like my answer either. um, Because I think that the most historically accurate movie is uh, What's Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Quentin Tarantino movie uh, from 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that no movie has... Uh, accurately allowed you to time travel like that movie did. Mm. Um, and maybe that's just because that's the exact era that I would want to time travel in. Mm-hmm. I mean, to be in 1969 Los Angeles and listening to the radio and cruising down the PCH, that is, of course, a dream. Uh, <laughs> and Quentin Tarantino allowed me to realize that dream mm-hmm. um, of just hanging around a couple of guys driving around Southern California California, um, uh, the 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 efforts that went into uh, the the few buildings in Los Angeles that are still around uh, from the 1960s to restore them either physically or digitally to the way that they looked uh, at that time period um, to get uh, uh, the all of the cars and all of the clothes and uh, uh everything was was chosen so meticulously uh, in that film that um it is uh truly time travel <laughs> um and uh, it's one of the only movies that i saw in the theaters multiple times actually 2019 uh uh Holds a, a special place of honor uh, because I saw What's uh, Upon a Time in Hollywood uh, over three or four times. Um, I also saw the movie Cats
1: uh, <laughs> over three you were or four see times. That. Uh,
0: because Cats is another one of the greatest motion pictures ever made. Uh, I laughed from uh, from from opening credits to end credits there is not one frame of that picture that is normal or regular or allows you to breathe because it is so weird um i highly recommend both of these films for entirely different reasons Um, i saw cats opening weekend when they still hadn't figured out all the cgi yet i mean they never really did but like you still saw people's regular arms on on cat bodies oh oh i i couldn't breathe i could not breathe And there were people in the theater who were there for real and not ironically like I was. And they looked at me like, shut up. Uh, This is serious business. I'm like, are you looking at the screen in front of you? James Corden is dressed up like a tuxedo cat drinking trash champagne. So... What is the most historically accurate movie? I would say it's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There are certainly honorable mentions for things like Master and Commander or um, really just that one. Uh, but uh, the, there are uh, uh, so many uh, great uh, uh, films that get the story right um, or or get the essence. Uh, uh, I remember being asked this question before, which is why I included it in the list for you Um, because the question was kind of asked as if one movie could do these three things Uh, uh, what movie inspired you uh, to be a historian what movie um, is is your favorite historical movie and what is the most accurate and it was asked like one movie could be all three of these things Mm. and I said I have to take this as a three part question Mm -hmm. because if I think of what movie inspired me um, I think, or or what? What is my favorite historical movie? That would be 1776. That is my favorite movie of all time. It, um, I love the musical. I watch it at least twice every year on my birthday and on the Fourth of July. Um, I I love William Daniels. I love uh, the guy uh, who plays Benjamin Franklin. It, it gets the spirit and the essence of these characters so well and tells this uh, great story with such great music. Um, so uh, uh, th- that that would be my favorite. And then when I think of what inspired me to do what I do, I think of John Wayne's The Alamo. Um, the clothes are not right on that at <laughs> all. Um, but when I hear John Wayne's speech about what it what the, the idea of a Republic, I like the sound of the word. It's, uh, it reminds you of, uh, when your, uh, little boy, uh, makes his, uh, uh, takes his first shave and makes his first grunt like a man. Um, that is something that I carry in my heart with me, uh, uh every, you know, every day of my life, uh, in my profession. Uh, but, uh, to, uh, get back to the, the idea of the accuracy of a film i would say uh uh, once upon a time in hollywood
1: okay well done i think this is kind of a fun episode Chandler.
0: i think so i i hope that everyone else will enjoy it um getting to know us um a little bit better and and uh getting to know their hosts uh (laughs) after uh four seasons uh kind of uh figure out uh, a little bit more about what makes us tick um I have uh, one last uh, question oh. uh, for both of okay. us. Uh, so uh, what is your favorite episode of History in Retrograde?
1: Oh, my goodness. I can't say that I have a favorite. I can. I have several favorites. I have so many for different reasons. And I mm-hmm. can't even tell you all of them without going through. Like if I open up the website and I start going through mm-hmm. all the different episodes for why I like them. Now my episodes are going to be different than yours because you do episodes where you make me read charts for people. I don't know who they are. <laughs> and mm-hmm. You do. And then you know the history for them. But for me, like Fosse and List. And one of the most recent ones was um Lizzie Borden, because mm-hmm. I totally was not expecting her to be Lizzie Borden, um May West, uh Shirley Temple, did I already say Shirley Temple? No, um, wow, I mean, I would have to go in, you know what else? like Muammar Gaddafi, mm-hmm. and uh Avita Perone uh-huh. and little little Richard. Elvis I mean I have so many favorites that's just the tip of the iceberg I mean I really Uh and I can't say there is one specific this is it for me because it it isn't I just I've been fascinated with what you test me with and I've Uh been fascinated with people who who know us in real life you know and have known us for many years and sometimes they'll say Larly. You already know who it is. I'm like, I do not know who it is. I never know who it is. Trust me. Have you met Chandler? No, I do not know who it is. So you can think that all day, but uh, no.
0: Yeah, Uh, when I get the question of my favorite episodes, I, I, I always enjoy the episodes where we are in the same room recording. Oh, uh uh-huh. There is an energy that's there um, that although uh, it uh, doesn't often... Build the best audio quality <laughs> in our episodes. I hope the energy of us being in the same room overcomes that. Uh, so when I think of the John Wayne episode, mm-hmm. or I think of um, these uh, different times that we were in the same room together as opposed to being far apart, um, that always adds something to me. Fossey is one of my favorites mm-hmm. uh, because Fossey came at this very interesting time in the podcast where. We had had a couple of dry spells. Hmm. We had had a couple of ones where I didn't have the birth time. Or um, we just walked away thinking this wasn't... um, Or you just had no idea who the person was. And um, it just... we, we. there were a couple before that that just didn't hit. Mm. Um, and then when we had Fosse and it was so accurate <laughs> and you knew who it was, um, that always adds to it. And and the reaction on Fosse is probably one of the best ones from the whole show is when I tell you it's Bob Fosse. It, the I don't think the microphone could even pick up how high uh, your screen went. <laughs> Um, the decibels there—only um, dogs could have heard that. Um, but uh, that's always one uh, that I point to as um, that. I feel like we kind of we really hit the stride there. Um, not that the others were too too bad, mm-hmm. but it's just there was some there, there was just a little bit of um, growing pains. I feel, mm-hmm. especially as we got into the middle part of that first season. Mm-hmm. Um, but when we hit Fosse, that breathe the whole new uh, uh life into um all of it mm-hmm. um then there's ones that are fun for me because they're people that i like to talk about mm-hmm. um like the kennedy and nixon episode mm-hmm. um and when i get to uh, uh reevaluate what people's ideas of what a person might be because when i bring out mary todd lincoln Most people think, well, maybe like she was some crazy lady, Mm -hmm. but really, and so people will think that the chart isn't accurate. But then we go through, it's like, well, here's how the chart connects to the person's life Mm -hmm. and how someone who had suffered that much would make these decisions. But also these things were written about her by people who were her political enemies. Mm-hmm. So we get, and we get into that whole question of, you know, the, the victor writing the story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mary Todd Lincoln is not the victor of her own story. Right. So, uh, we get this idea of who she was that isn't true. Mm-hmm. Um, and so far we haven't gotten in trouble for the L Ron Hubbard episode. <laughs> not so that we know of. I'm uh, grateful. Um, <laughs> but there are uh, and there's ones that I have expectations for, and uh, sometimes uh, uh, they are perfectly met, and sometimes they are met above uh, and beyond what i I would think <laughs> I also point Nostradamus oh yeah, you know the the in the first minutes you say this man could be a prophet i have had other people who were very skeptical about this idea who um would cut. i'm only listening to it because i know you Chandler. yeah um who are i don't believe in astrology one bit and then to have um you come out with the things about nostradamus so quickly i think that 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 started this whole experiment off uh, so well. Yeah, I
1: was really surprised at that because uh, I know that in the first season, I was going like by rote, you know, like I have learned this over the decades. This is what I know this to be. Um, When I started doing astrology, we weren't doing all of these, you know, um, asteroids and you know, things like that. We weren't even really looking at Lilith or any of the, you know, like part of fortune. Those were not things that we were looking at in a reading, you know, and in a general reading. And now I, I do look at those in clients readings because they do have something to say. There is something accurate about them, which is very interesting to me how, you know, how do we have this information but you know i mean what we have time to do is very basic and we still end up most of the time with a lot of accurate information coming from a chart that we don't always know for sure if the if the birth time is right or not yeah and i yeah. do see sometimes like with john wayne moving it just a little bit then it makes more sense mhm
0: yeah uh I think to to end this whole thing off uh we'll let you all know our our loyal listeners that uh we are kind of coming into the final stretch of this season. Uh we've got about uh four episodes left. Uh and then after that we'll be taking a break. And uh, we might be taking a little bit longer of a break uh, than usual. We might uh, not come back all the way until the fall. Because we're going to work on uh, making this... uh, 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 We're going to have all the episodes ready to go Mm -hmm. before we uh, uh, launch Season 5. So we're going to bank up all 21 episodes before we release Mm -hmm. it. And I think what we're going to do is we're going to create a Patreon... Where in October, when we come back, Mm -hmm. if that's when we come back, uh, if you sign up uh, for the Patreon, you can get all 21 episodes ready to go in October. Mm -hmm. Or as always we can continue our relationship right here uh, on the other side of the paywall where uh, you'll get them every week uh, for 21 Mm -hmm. weeks. Um, So I think that's the direction that we will be going through the rest of the year. Um, But uh, we still have a little bit of time before we get to that. And we still have some exciting figures, some exciting mystery history guests to talk about um, uh, over the next couple of weeks. Um. That brings us to the end of this uh, uh, FAQ, <laughs> um, get to know your host, state of the podcast kind of show that we just did. I hope uh, that you uh, got something out of this. Um, and you know what? If you have questions about astrology or history, uh, send those in and we might do more episodes like this in the future. Mm-hmm. Um, and that way we'll be able to answer your questions. Mm-hmm. These were just things that we kind of came up with at the last minute um, but we would love to hear your questions so um, history and retrograde at gmail.com is a great place to send those questions uh, also uh, Chandler's mom at history retrograde.com uh, that's oh uh, you can send questions that way or you can uh, if you're interested uh, become your own mystery history guest and have mom uh, go through uh, the chart uh, your chart um, and mom can talk to you more about uh, how to make that happen.
1: absolutely and you can always find us on the internet at www.historyandretrograde.com so all of you ladies who really like 1970s cadillacs just go ahead and go to the website and you can email us from there and maybe chandler will send you a picture of his living room Uh, yep
0: that's just what every uh, girl wants is a picture of a uh young man who thinks he's a very old man's living room <laughs> uh yep yep i will get that a uh, beautiful console television <laughs> out to every young lady in the land
1: we wanted you to know that um i don't know i know we say it every single time but you all are so important to us and if you if you would just all email us that would be the coolest thing ever, wouldn't it Chandler?
0: uh you know we might break a server that way, so, <laughs> I'd be okay with know, it one one at a time I would
1: answer you, I would answer you, Chandler would too
0: yep absolutely yeah. we we really do appreciate uh all of our uh, loyal uh, uh listeners out there um we know that and it still amazes me to this day that there are regular listeners to our podcast who are not our cousins and friends. <laughs> um uh, we also truly appreciate our cousins and Absolutely. friends who are listening. Um but uh to know that there are people that I've never met before in a country I've never been to before uh who listen to this uh truly tickles both
1: of us. <laughs> so uh
0: we we are so grateful to all of you uh for uh, uh, making it worthwhile for us to do this crazy uh, harebrained idea.
1: And if you're at the Carnival in Venice, Italy, I would like to say hi. I want to come to Carnival in Venice.
0: All right, there you go. You've heard it uh, here first, folks. Uh, if you know somebody with an Airbnb <laughs> uh, in Venice, uh, mom wants to go. Mm-hmm, so to we've Carnival. got a couple weeks to make that happen. Yes. I like it. Uh, Thank you all uh, so much for listening. Uh, As always, in conclusion, as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned, everything will be just fine.
1: Everything is going to be just fine. Thank you so much for listening. We love you. Bye-bye.
0: Thank you so much. Bye-bye.